Hello and welcome to Talkin' Tottenham, everyone's favorite Tottenham Hotspur podcast, uh, which we do not talk about Oklahoma football, uh, not at all, because nobody cares about this sport and it sucks. Okay, I'm kidding, that's a bad bit. Welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. We're here to talk about an absolute dismantling, a low moment for OU football. 49 to nothing against Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, first shutout in, uh, I believe, in serious history, or second shutout in serious history uh, against Texas. The worst by any margin against any opponent. Uh, most amount of points the Longhorns ever put up on the Sooners. Yada, yada, yada. It was bad, no matter how you want to cut it. Um, and we got to talk about it. Uh, Sooners <laughs> slide to three and three. The, the, the entire the entire season's in jeopardy now. A, a bowl feels like a billion miles away. So let's get this thing started. Uh, Jameson, how would you sum up what happened yesterday? First of all, we had like a couple people ready to watch this, and then you hit that Tottenham thing, and then just plummeted. Everyone was like, no, "I'm not listening to that." They, so did not want, they didn't want this, the bit. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. Okay, so yeah, the, the, my thought process on this is everything that we saw that went bad in the K-State game and in the TCU game just was showcased to the whole world, and it got worse. Honestly, completely speechless. I'm going to light into Jeff Levy this episode, so y'all be ready for it. Fair enough. Ty, how do you sum it up? Things were bad it was bad across the board we were uh, soundly defeated across the board uh, but I am not as doom and gloom as some other OU fans are so I am getting the feeling as we do our intros that I think voice of reason is a bit presumptuous to say but I, I think I'll be the voice of, of positivity or, or optimism uh, and hopefully not coping, but hopefully true optimism as we go through this podcast. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know how there can be a lot of optimism. I guess, I guess we could say this, um, that game was over the second Dylan Gabriel, uh, showed up in street clothes out of the tunnel. Um, and I, I, Ty, I, can I, I, go in on, I need, I need to go in on this. I, I, I'm pissed off at how you did this. Let's because start with they it. So, obviously, we're micro-manipulating this whole process throughout the week. I guarantee you that that, that media, that, oh, Dylan Gabriel's in the background. I have a feeling that was done on purpose. I really do. I think they wanted Texas to think that Dylan Gabriel was going to play, even though they knew pretty much in the 100%. middle of the week going not going to i just think this is ridiculous that we're putting out all of these things on our twitter of like his jersey you know bringing him out in warm-ups beforehand you have him out in warm-ups before a game and he has a concussion still and he got the he, he got the play. last That's ridiculous Absolutely he got the ridiculous. last snaps he got the last snaps during first team walkthrough he was he was the he was the quarterback leading the team through the final walkthrough of the first team. The, there is one thing of not letting your opponents know who your starting quarterback is. That's fine. But whenever it gets before the game, you can't have them out there. That's utterly egregious. And I think that was a really poor move by our coaching staff. Like, and here's my thing. What does it do? What does it do? All it does is like, because here's the thing. Texas isn't, wasn't, if they were like scheming for Davis, uh, Davis Bevel, they didn't have a lot of scheming to do. Um, so my thing is, all it does is just kind of get all of the OU fans' hopes up, only to let them down when they're not when he's not out there. We get to see Bevel's whack ass throw for thirty six yards. 
And I, I know they're, I, I feel like we can kind of talk a little bit more crap on them because we're, you know, really not that far in age. Um, but man, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, I, I, I agree. I think the Gabriel stunt was, was pretty lame. Ty. I know. I, I, I mean, you could have a real cynical conspiracy theory take that it was not to fool Texas and uh, that it was for the media and to fool uh, people to to tuning into the game or buying into some sort of pregame hype. By I, I hope Blake is listening to this because then he's going to immediately be screaming into his his computer or his phone, whatever he listens on ESPN, ESPN. Uh, but <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't, I I don't really see anything wrong with it. Like it's not, it's not like he's recovering from like a say a joint injury where if we have him out there there's a potential of aggravating something or, or making it worse. You know, uh, he just has a concussion. He's living his, he's in the protocol for a concussion, just living his normal life. I, I don't necessarily, I wasn't uh, hurt. I, I thought like you guys thought that he was, we knew from the second that he was out of last week that he wasn't going to be playing. I, this I week. disagree. I, I uh, thought he could have played. Well, like, yeah. So the you're, OU, you're the expert, I the guess. OU media, the OU media and what we were seeing of him practicing that make you think that he could play. I just think this was a clear from the jump that them were, they were just sending mixed signals because they knew it would leak. What well, was an information? Yeah. yeah, it was, it was a deliberate uh, information uh, move by OU. I mean, going back to one of the very first things early, I guess it was Wednesday when they released that, that very conspicuously uh, framed or cut footage of some random receiver catching from the, the little spinny ball machine. And just in the background, it's perfectly cropped to just kind of see half of Dylan Gabriel kind of blurry to make it look like, oh, that's an accident. We spoiled our surprise. But uh, I, I guess in closing on this specific topic, I will say we were losing to significantly worse teams in pretty embarrassing fashion when he was playing i don't think it would have made a whole lot of difference in this game and you can say oh well maybe he would have prevented us from being shut out yes we're gonna get into it yes we should not we should not have been we should not have been shut out in this game either that was not on the players on the field and we will dive into that so you yeah, know whether yeah. it was three to 49 to three or 49 to zero that three makes it not a shutout uh, and I will be pedantic and die on that hill that Dylan Gabriel was not the reason or Dylan Gabriel or lack of Dylan Gabriel was not the reason that we got shut out. Uh, we still would have been absolutely embarrassed. And if anything, this helps Dylan Gabriel's stock uh, because he was able to hide his fraudness one more week. I, I will say it, it's, it, first of all, shut the hell up about him being a fraud. That is, he might not be a good quarterback, but I think it is utter ridiculousness to say that if he did not play, OU does not play better. They still probably lose, but they do not they do not trot out that circus dog and pony show BS that they did last last Saturday. That is one of the worst offensive ideas I've ever seen. Um just trotting out a bunch of wildcats made no sense. Davis Bevel had no confidence. And not only that, but Davis Bevel kind of stinks. So you, you really gave him absolutely no favors. Um well, but, the wildcat right. was the only thing that worked. The wildcat was the, literally the only thing that worked offensively. But it's so limited. It was so yeah. limited. It, and you want to you want to know why it was working? Because our passing attack with Davis Bevel, we can talk all these bad things about him. Obviously, he's not that skilled. All that stuff that can be true. 
But Jeff Lebby was not giving him any room to succeed. We talk about like, you know, Dylan Gabriel is doing all these scripted passes. He just only looks at his first guy. It seems like he doesn't have any kind of say in this offense. Oh my God, did Bevel have even less say? And I didn't even know if that was possible. I think I saw him look at a second read, not his first, you know, wide receiver once, twice throughout the whole game. How do you expect a quarterback to succeed in football whenever he can only throw it to one place only? That, you know, I understand Bevel might not have been our best option, but that is not how you do well at the quarterback position. No, I mean, it's, 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 really just um that i mean that's that's not how offenses are supposed to work it's not supposed to be whoever gabriel looks at first person he looks at it's probably going to him because like would boot would booty or evers would have done any better if they could only throw to the first option that levy was doing it too like i don't see this all this like saying like oh is bevel was the reason that we had no points like no it's jeff levy i mean no i and i will say i i think there's the alternative where uh booty or evers goes in and it's even worse um and from what i've heard it sounds like general booty is not just it's just not a like a game ready quarterback evers you know i think putting him, him in and you know burning one of his red shirt games was incredibly asinine um you know i still think he's probably going to end up getting red shirted but still it was not a good idea for no reason um if you're gonna put the kid in put him in earlier because we were screwed earlier um so I I still don't I'm with you. I don't think there's a better option, but I think it's also very clear that there's not a better option than Dillard Gabriel on on the roster and he makes there us There is there is a better option. Sorry to cut you off there because the better option is just letting the quarterbacks go out there and show you what what they got. And there's extreme trust issues with Levy and even with the level of quarterback at Dylan Gabriel, he'll give a little bit more room for Dylan Gabriel to go through progressions. But if Jeff Levy is in this mindset as Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, that he thinks his micro manipulation of the game is better than a quarterback going out there and making the reads himself. We've got a problem. That's not what you do at the university of Oklahoma. That's what you can do at like Ole Miss when you're, you know, half the games out of the year, you're the underdog. That's what happens whenever you're playing, you know, um, at lesser colleges, but at OU, you let your skilled players make skilled plays and, no, Jeff Levy does not need to be doing that and making that decision for them. Yeah, no, it's um, no, I, I'm with you, and I, I think Levy ultimately, you know, putting it, spin all the time they spend in putting in that wildcat package that could have been used to building a good game plan around Davis Bevel, and it makes you think one of two things: either one, they're an idiot and thought that the wild. Jeff Levy's an idiot and he thought that the wildcat package better suited them or two. He just flat out thought that the, that bevel was so bad that the only option was from the wildcat with Braden Willis uh, as your quarterback. So it's just, um, it's, it's, it's mind numbing. What, what, what occurred there? Uh, obviously Levy didn't have everyone at his disposal, but you have to be better than that. You have to find a way to use backups uh, effectively look at texas tech their second string right i don't even remember his name but he he looked like he looked pretty damn good after donovan, donovan smith went down uh, if if he is better than anybody else on our roster i mean come on that that, that makes zero sense i think we also need to uh, before we continue through i think you guys might disagree with me but i i think that 
what we also saw here a bit of is that Texas is legitimately good this year. Uh, they they looked impressive in in their play and their play calling and their adjustments. I think that that Texas Tech game was a bit of a fluke, and I think we're going to see a a pretty impressive Texas team uh, as they go through the season. So that that has to be factored in. But I I don't want to say I'm defending Levy here, but when you look at plays. I don't. I don't really know if there was a good option with with Davis Bevel. I agree uh, that Dylan Gabriel is the least bad option. I agree that Bevel is probably significantly better. Things probably would have been worse had we put someone else in uh, more significantly. But Bevel does little things like seeing pressure coming and then forgetting to drop back and just having the pocket collapse in around him, or just getting the the sort of stone feet or the concrete feet and, and not moving. So I, I don't necessarily know if Bevel's the guy that we can say, you know what, we're going to trust your skills as a, as a playmaker and trust that you learned how to play football in like South Carolina. And then at Pittsburgh, nobody plays P- football in Pittsburgh or South Carolina. It's like when we got Spencer Rattler from Arizona and we're like, yeah, he's the best that's ever played in Arizona. Nobody's ever heard of anyone that's played in Arizona, but he's the best. So. <laughs> just, just well, no, one. he plays in Baltimore. So, oh, yeah, I don't know. He's from, he's from Arizona. Now the best tight end in football, possibly. But um, the NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Look, check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you could throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. So, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Getting back to this, I, I feel I feel like the whole quarterback conversation is going to be a large talking point for the whole rest of the week. But from what we're hearing from Venables, it seems like that Dylan Gabriel should be able to, to go on to on versus Kansas this weekend. And hopefully we can put all this, you know, behind us. But right now, and I, I hate to just keep on saying it over and over, is we need to make changes as an offense, a defense, as a team overall. And is that going to come from the coaching staff and their play calling? I'm looking at you, Jeff Levy. Are you going to let the players play more? Are you going to change up your scheme? Or is everything not going to be one read and then you're screwed? I need to see that on the defensive end. Like, are we going to uh, appeal more to the players and make simpler defense? Because our defense, our defensive players, seems like they just can't do anything right. It seems like whenever there is like a gap to go up, they're going to go up the wrong gap. If there is a zone coverage territory to be in, they're going towards the wrong place. They're blowing blown assignments. It seems like the Alex Grinch just set them back to the Stone Ages and they can't get out of it. And, it, and it's extremely upsetting to where it's like, there's one part of me where it's like, no, let's keep playing the Brent Venables defense and see if they can eventually get it. Because repetition, even though if you fail multiple times, how many times when you're learning to ride a bike, you fall off before you can finally start riding? 
Um, but the other side of it is, well, I don't know if we can afford to keep on falling off our bikes this much, you know, like we need to have something competent because after that 49 to zero loss, our recruits are looking at us funky. Our fan base is looking at us funky. The board's looking at us funky. Like, we're going to have to do some like safe measures in terms of our play calling as a coaching staff to make sure things don't really spiral out of control. No, I, I agree. Um, and I, I think there are a lot of people who, you know, I, I obviously, you know, posted the forfeit season tweet as a joke, but there's a lot to play for still. And it might not be anything tangible like a championship or, you know, really anything, but OU has to find a way to turn this thing around. Obviously, we we will there's no chance we can reach what we think is a successful season at Oklahoma. We have to just change that success entirely. It is literally just keeping this boat together, making sure it doesn't sink, and making sure that just just absolute gem of a recruiting class that we put together does not just crumble into nothing. Because the way back for Oklahoma is through recruiting. It's through getting guys that can make a difference, run Brent Venables' defense, and figure it out. Guys who can actually run it, like run a competent offense beyond just one guy in the transfer portal. Um, just just fleshing it out, making it better because it it's it's not there. And the only way for it to be there is to keep that recruiting class going. And it's never been harder than now in the age of NIL, with the age of you know poachers. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure Texas A&M, as bad as they are, you know, I'm, I'm sure Jimbo is out here uh, trying to trying to send overtures to Jackson Arnold, trying to get him to come on board. I'm sure, you know, all of that defensive staff they have put together, likewise there. So I I would be concerned if this keeps happening. There, There's there's no indication to me that it'll get better. But um, I will say th- the first step, get Gabriel back in. Um open up the offense, free it up because I, I think without Gabriel, this football team just completely does not function. It's, it's like trying to operate a car without a wheel. Uh, it, it just does not work. The, the, the wheel has just whiffed out of the car while we were driving. You know, it is, it is that bad. So, um, Gross. you know, uh, sooner yeah. Skinner reference. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh no, no, the no, no, no. Falling off. Oh no, <laughs> the no, wheels no, no, falling no. off of the OU vehicle the steering wheel. Just that whiffed out of the car. Oh, the steering there. wheel. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. No, no, no. It's uh, yeah. I think you should leave reference, but anyways, um, Ty. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah Bobby, you, now. you brought up a really, really good point. I think, uh, well, the, first Jameson brought up a good point with the sooner schooner. Thankfully nothing can go wrong with the schooner when it never gets a chance to run on the field. So there are positives to what occurred. Uh, risk for Sooner Schooner crashes, absolute zero at Red River, uh, which is always good. We want to reduce risk. But Bobby, you brought up a, a good point with there are more things left to play for, and there should be an individual motivation for each player, obviously, to continue to to play well, whether they're looking at their future after college football uh, at, at, a, at another level. Or even if they're looking at their exit options, you know, you want that good resume point. You don't want to be the guy that's in the transfer portal and the coaches of whatever school you're trying to go to are looking at your tape and going, hey, well, this dude, he quit on this team when things were rough. I'm not sure if I want him to come to our team where, you know, it's not going to be a a Rose Garden either. But I think another really, really important thing to remember is the brand and the importance of the brand. So much of college football nowadays 
is built on these brands that have been cultivated for uh, decades and decades, you know, over a hundred years in, in OU's case. And that's, that's the reason why this game, two unranked teams, uh, was the Big 12's flagship game of the weekend, even when we had ranked matchups that ended up being really, really good, really competitive games. Uh, this was still the one that got the national attention and got the hype, and it's because of the brands. And the brands matter. That's That feeds into recruiting. That feeds into into donation and everything else. And I really started to, to think about that as you were talking about it, Bobby. And, and one thing that really came to mind was you know, the, the brand of Mike Tyson, the boxer, Mike Tyson was not undefeated, right? But when he lost, he bit a freaking dude's ear off. Okay. <laughs> he maintained his brand either way. He went down swinging, went down biting, did everything. And that's, that's kind of, I think sounds pessimistic. And, and I think we have a, a brighter future ahead this season than, than some would, would realize or, or believe. But I think that ultimately if we are going to go down, we have to go down uh, we have to go down swinging. We have to go down maintaining uh, the brand and the proud history uh, that has come before us, and that that goes for on the field and then off the field. You know, we have to we have to maintain our our composure and remember who we are. We still have more conference championships than any of these people. We still have the largest margin of victory in a Red River game in in two thousand three. We beat Texas by by fifty two. Uh, they had 13, we had whatever 13 plus 52 is. I don't know. I went to OU. Um, but we we have to remember really who we are as as players, as coaches, and especially as a fan base. There's We can't go out and start acting like A&M fans talking about, oh, well, we have a recruiting class or whatever, or acting like OSU fans and, and talking about how our, our colors are brighter or something like that. So. <laughs> yeah, no, we have the uh, the world's crimson yes crimson, I guess. I don't know. Um, but no, you're right. It, it can't all be about recruiting. That that can't be the only thing. But the thing is, that's the way back. So we have to we have to keep it maintained. But um, I'm with you. It, it can't be our bread and butter. The results have to come back, and they have to come back quick because that's what OU is has been. That's what the brand has been is consistent good football for the past. 22 years and now or 21 maybe i guess uh but it's it's um this is tough this is the first time we've lost three straight since 1998 the john blake era uh the, the, the this performance is um i mean it, it's just flat out 90s-esque it is uh a low low point but keep in mind i think this is just kind of showing just how bad it it it, it was i think personnel wise it should be better uh, you know, the, these players aren't bums. I don't, I, I don't think they are. I think there's just, um, a clear failure to adapt from, uh, and adjust from the holes that Kansas state poked in this. It's, um, it's bad. It's bad. And they gotta, they gotta figure it out because, you know, and I think, uh, John on our, uh, YouTube comments actually brought up a pretty solid point about how teams want to win and win. Now, um, the portal opens everything up. If we don't get results and we don't figure things out quick, if we don't patch this up. If this team goes five and seven, hell, six and six, uh, this is this is a disaster in a lot of ways. Jameson, like, let, let, I want to ask you, like, content wise, what are you thinking? Um, do you what, what do you think would be a at this point a satisfactory season? Honestly, at this point is the key word with that. 
and a satisfactory season is not as much to me as the win loss record is at least where I can see something on this defense and this offense that's tangible to where I feel like, Hey, at least we're just not just like a burning ship, just going down to the bottom because at all levels of the defense, the secondary, the linebackers, the defensive line, there isn't a lot positive to say in these past three games. I'm trying to find little things here and there that I thought that I saw that I liked nothing. It seems like we can't get anything on the pass rush. The linebackers are blowing, um, you know, coverage whenever they have to cover and same thing with the D backs. So, I mean, I understand we're looking for like this record would make me feel better, but I, I don't know if I can accurately answer that. I mean, we, hopefully we should just, I think the most thing, you know, to keep our head above water is to win the games that we should, at least, you know, beat West Virginia, beat, I think Kansas is a game we should win if Jalen Daniels isn't playing. And then uh, who, am, who am I missing? Texas Tech. Um, I think I think we should, if we win those three games, I mean, that would keep our head above water. But if we drop any of those, I, I don't know, Bobby, this like the recruiting and the future um, outlook of Oklahoma could get really murky. I think the most grim thing about our schedule coming up is uh, the most winnable games, Iowa State at West or Iowa State, West Virginia, and Texas Tech, all on the road, um, and all three are in environments that are difficult to win in. And you know, even though they definitely look to be the lower end of the Big Twelve bunch, OU looks like the lowest so far, at least in conference play. Um, so they're all teams that are that can absolutely beat Oklahoma, especially at home. Uh, and then our home games are you know Kansas, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas. You know, obviously they played TCU well, a team that killed us. Um, but you know, if, if we have the Bean Man in charge uh, of case or uh, of, of Kansas come Saturday, and uh, Jaden Daniels cannot go, uh, you know, I think that that helps a little bit. But things have to change quick. Uh, absolutely, Ty, what, what, you've been kind of the bigger optimist on the show so far today. What would you consider to be uh, a good season, to, uh, good closeout to the season? So, I mean, a, a good closeout to the season is is we went out, uh, which, you know, how likely is that? I don't know. I, I think the bare minimum before uh, I will start to buy into, because this was going to be a down year no matter what. Go look at, at the players that we lost and, and the ways that we had to patch uh, some holes. Uh, we were never going to be uh, – we're never going to be up. I'm not sure if Jameson's reacting to me. Or I I hate that take so me. much. I'll let you I'll let you finish it. But I but, just hate so that I, take. this I'll was going to be this was not going to be. So uh, let me clarify. It's it was not supposed to be this, but uh, this was probably not going to be a, a great year. Regardless, just looking at the teams that other people have created uh, that came out of that came out of sort of the blue. But I think that it's realistic to say that we're we're still going to make a bowl. I sure hope so. We have the third longest bowl streak in in college football behind only Georgia, just barely. Uh, I don't think they're going to break theirs anytime soon. And then Virginia Tech. So I, I certainly hope we we make a bowl. And I think it's possible. It's, it's certainly not going to be easy with this team that we have. And I do think Gabriel coming back is going to be key to that as much as I as much as I attack him. But I really think a, a realistic expectation for this school is not necessarily even it, it feeds into the win column, but it's not necessarily into the win column. It's it, we have to control and turn around the narrative. It is okay. 
if it, I, I know some people are going to argue with this. It's okay if we drop some games. What has happened in the past cannot be changed, but we are not in an irreversible position, especially if we can control the narrative and have realistic expectations in the media and everywhere else. It would be terrible if we continue to lose through the Big 12, but if we can really control the narrative and, and keep optimism as much as we can, that is going to naturally feed into recruiting. It's going to feed into you know donor willingness to continue to, to pour money into this uh, you know just empty pit right now. This this bottomless pit of, of money apparently. But uh, if we can if we can control the narrative and show that we can employ the talent that we have in a manner that is conducive to their success. Uh, even if that means, you know, not winning out the rest of the games, I think we're not in as bad of a situation as people realize. It takes three to four years, believe it or not, uh, before you really get to where you want to be under a coach. I was reading about this earlier with the blue chip ratio and, and everything else. It takes a, a long time. It takes like a cycle and a half of recruits to where you're really at a, a powerhouse program. And it obviously has been done faster. Stoops did it faster, uh, but it's, I, I don't think we're in a, a terrible, terrible, terrible. We're not in an irreversible situation as of now. We're in a really, really bad spot, uh, but it is not necessarily untenable, in my uh, opinion. I'll give yeah. you the positive. Let me let me counter to his thing from earlier, Bobby, and I'll let you go. Of course, go for it. His what he said at the beginning is one thing. It's probably one of my least favorite things OU fans have been saying, but I understand why it's being said. Um, but. I like your control the narrative thing. I think that is a, the biggest theme for the rest of the season. How can we turn things into a positive? And that means improving. And we have so many areas to improve. But let me tell you something. We have not improved out of the past three games. Not once. There's not. I don't think there's really anything I can say that we have done better at in each of these games. We've consistently gotten worse. That's not controlling the narrative. So luckily, we're starting at a pretty low zone to where we can improve on some minor things here and there. And hopefully we can take those and push some happiness. But let me say this. And I said this on past podcast, I'm tired of people saying this was going to be a rebuilding year. Either way, that was going to be a bad season. We always knew that. No, we didn't Ty. You legitimately picked OU as your number one team in the preseason big 12. So I, I don't want to, as we all did. Um, and, and I think a lot of people were, and people were buying happiness. We knew that things might not have been, you know, squeaky clean, like powerhouse, like normal OU team, but we have talent. We have so much talent and I don't care if we're have a new coaching system. Talent wins a lot of the time in sports, you know, coaching is always a big thing, but talent always prevails. And there's not a lot of teams out there. I can say they have a really damn good coach, but their players aren't that good. And they did it really well this season that it just doesn't happen like that. Talent always wins and we have talent. And, and we're, if we're not succeeding with this talent that we have, that's an embarrassment overall to the players and the coaching staff itself. And we did not see what we saw coming. So stop people who are playing hindsight, you know, like captain hindsight where they knew this was coming. That's just a defense mechanism to make yourself feel better. And I just don't like it. Well, let me, let me I'm clarify. Fighting, let me cl these are fighting words because I let just, me I clarify. Just Cause I, I don't disagree with Jameson, but I want to clarify my OU first in the big 12. I have been very clear throughout the podcast for anyone that's listened for a while. OU winning the big 12 is expectations wise the bare minimum, right? Like my idea, like, oh, you, this could be a rebuilding year for us was I think in its entirety, two losses in the regular season, still win the conference, which again, that's very dependent on 
what other people within the conference do. And then probably a, a kind of disappointing performance because we get overrated and, and put above our weight in, in a bowl game. But I, I still okay. think still, if even if we're in this conference next year, which who knows, I think the expectation still going into the year is that we win it. Regardless of what that. happens this year, I see that, but we're not. The expectation we're right. this, this, so then saying like what's happening right now, I saw it coming because um, I had low expectations before the year. We're not at a Big Twelve championship winning level. We're not even sniffing it right now. So like, I still don't see how that takes. Place. We well, we we aren't even we aren't even at a place where we're competing in games at all. Um, I, I the last time we competed was Kansas State, and the fact that you can just remove one guy and it all fall apart like this—that right there is not at a, at a place where this team is remotely, remotely where it's supposed to be. And I, I don't, I don't think it's a talent thing. I think a lot of it's coaching. I think some of it is talent. I think some of these guys just—it's hard to shake years of um, you know getting Alex Grinch's, uh, you know. Um, getting his coaching and then turning it into this, it's, 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 it's tough. It's, it is a uh, defense that is clearly different, but at the same time, it's just, um, it's just, it, it's a combination of, we were wrong to assume that you could just put new guys in completely reverse the, the culture and call it good. We were wrong to assume that the NFL talent we had that left um, could just be replaced by other dudes just because these coaches have, you know, more pedigree or whatever. Uh, defensively, especially, and we were wrong to, you know, just kind of anoint Jeff Levy as like an offensive genius. I think that was, um, that was incorrect. Um, and you know, frankly, the one thing we were right about was that if Gabriel goes down, everything is going to be a mess and it totally has, it totally has. Um, and I'm not saying that we would have been competitive against Texas. I'm not saying that we would have been, um, I think the TCU game would have been a little bit better. I think we would have had life. I don't think it would have been over by the end of the first uh, first quarter, but it, they, I think this team looks like a functional football team if that happens. I think they actually look like they can get up and down the field without trying to pull out a bunch of tricks, you know, like it's some like, I don't know, like a, like a, like a toddler playing Madden. That's what it felt like. Um, mm, so that TCU game was out of hand before gabriel it was was out like it, i remember i at least my read on it was like the dylan gabriel getting knocked out of the game actually gave OU a bit of life. that is ridiculous that is ridiculous that is no, ridiculous. Go, that go didn't die the second you got out that, it, that game was out of hand when he got hit that game was absolutely out of hand when it was he out of hand but the offense of actually looked like it worked it actually ran the second there he got were, out we, we were getting down the field and scoring some points and then since then, I what did we like? How many points have we scored since Dylan Gabriel went down? Ty, like what seven, ten? Is that no, it? I don't, I don't, I'm not. But I'm. We are still. We're still on a three loss streak. If he's in, like that's just he's not. He would yes. not have won us this game. So but I the thing it, I is, think it's a moot point. And it's. I like, think. I think I we were going to lose either way. Yeah, I agree with that. We have a lot of problems. But the thing is, that way that we lost, how we lost, is like long-term implications for the Sooner team. There are donors right now 
questioning she'll be be making coaching changes and what we're six games into the season are you freaking kidding me of a new coaching staff that should not be happening at OU there are recruits thinking should I decommit and not come to OU and I'm sure there's going to be some uh, Colton Vasek scares the living hell out of me that he's probably going to go back to his Legacyville of Texas because they've got a lot of ammo right now and then let me tell you something there's donors right now saying I don't know if I. this is something I can put money towards if it's just going to be I'm showing up to these games where I spend my whole Saturday here and I don't see a, a speckle of life. So there is long-term implications going no, shut I, out. No, I agree. And the Dylan Gabriel, if he's going to at least let us put some fight into this offense, like we need that so badly. I don't even care if it was 49 to 14. At least people would be saying we didn't get shut out for the first time since 1965 in the Red River shootout. Yeah, it wouldn't. it wouldn't be... But I Historic think that's a, that's a play. That's a coaching thing. It's a coaching thing because the coaches made the decision to not kick a field goal when it was seven to zero, and that turnover on downs when we had it what on like the twelve. Uh, and I'm talking about Red River here. I I don't think it's a player thing, and I don't think it's a a, a Dylan Gabriel thing. And I'm I'm not I'm, I'm sorry I'm getting you heated, Bobby. I'm not trying to, but it was thirty four to ten in TCU when Dylan Gabriel got hit. We scored, you know, we continued to perform as well as we were performing without him in, offensively in that game, if you look at the score. Like, we were down 24 with, like, 10 minutes to go still in in the uh, second half. We weren't, or in the second quarter, we weren't stringing together drives, and it wasn't like, oh, we were one or two down. Like, we were down by three or well, four scores uh, by then, I guess. Uh, so it's, I, I really don't think I, 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 so I, it has been a bit of a bit, right. That I've been, Oh, Dylan Gabriel is a, a fraud, but I, I don't think that we can pin it on him. Cause I think, you know, as, as Jameson sort of held before, I, I really do think it's a coaching thing. And like you said, putting, putting Levy on this, on this pedestal, I think it's almost a, a distraction. Maybe it would have been a little bit better. And, and yeah, that does go into feeding the narrative, but I, I would not be I, – I just personally I don't subscribe to the idea that Gabriel coming back, it will probably – might win us the, the closer games. It will probably be the difference against Kansas. I think we if he's for some reason out, I think we, we might lose to Kansas here. But uh, I really think it's a, a coaching thing. I, I mean, so Gabriel went down – um, when OU is down 20 to three, they were driving, ended up, mm. dri- ended up scoring on that Eric Gray one yard touchdown run, run uh, later in that possession. Um, but you know, it, are you sh- yeah. sure that's whenever he went down? Oh, I'm looking, I'm, at, sure. I'm looking, I'm looking at like the uh, the game coverage. Yeah, I see I, 34. I no, no, I because no, I remember Gray scoring the touchdown and be like, oh, cool, Gray scored a touchdown, and then I got back up to the to the stands and like, hey, Gabriel like died. Yeah, no, but I, I'm, I'm I, Dylan at, Gabriel. I nine minutes, right nine minutes and thirty seconds in the second quarter when the score was thirty-four yeah. to ten goes down. Eric Gray gets thirteen yards okay. after that, then three yards, and then Javante, so Javante Barnes, Barnes, gets a Barnes twenty-yard touchdown. touchdown. So it was thirty-four to ten. Before that, we scored fourteen points after um, that. Dylan Gabriel went down, um, which one was on that drive where he had already kind of taken us down close to midfield. So truly, yeah. we've only scored seven points, and without Dylan Gabriel as a quarterback during a drive, and mm-hmm. the, and I understand like that's absolutely embarrassing but the whole point with this whole dylan gabriel versus like the backups and how bad we need him i understand dylan gabriel's accuracy and the way jeff levy is calling plays is not the best and i agree with ty on that one but if we're going to get shut out like we have been and barely being able to score points like 
our reputation is down the hole and it can go away in the snap of a finger. Yeah. Because at this point it it's hard not to, if you're just looking at it right now, it's hard not to see Brent Venables and what he's doing and be like, this guy, you know, if you're looking at it from the outside, this guy is completely, you know, over his head, which I don't think he is. I, I still have faith in him. I, I still think there's a long process here. However, I think it's very clear that this, that, that something needs to change right now because this team is not, this team is too, like that. this team is too talented to be beat in this manner over and over and over again. And it's too talented to perform at least across the board, throw the quarterback out of it to just get to not compete there. These games aren't competitive. This is looking like they're playing Allen high school. Like it's Allen high school playing Texas or hell Allen high school might actually be able to put up a damn point. Not really, but still it's, it's unreal. It is unreal. (laughs) I'd really, I I would hope not, but my, that's my thing is it's, it's just not even, they're not even in the same realm. They're not even in the same realm. And it's, um, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Uh, and a lot of reevaluation needs to be ha- needs to be had. A lot of self reflection needs to be had. And um, I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how. You, I don't know if you can fix it this year. The um, and the it, situation is certainly urgent. Yeah. No. It, it absolutely is. At I, this it's point. it's everything. It's it's not just coaching. If it was just coaching, our skill guys would go out there, make a couple jukes. We'd ha- have a good read somewhere, and we'd at least have some good things. Like, whether that had been a sack in the game. It would have been pretty cool to get a sack on Quinn Ewers, right? A guy who's coming back, you know, a little bit early from an SC sprain. That, to my opinion, I don't know about y'all, for my eye test, even though we were giving our defense no time to rest because we couldn't run crap on offense, I don't think Quinn Ewers looked like amazing in the first half just by the eye test obviously they were putting up numbers and chipping away at us but i mean this was not this kind of guy that i saw in the first half of the alabama game i thought if we would have put up you know more of a fight in this game we could have hopefully exposed quinures a little bit more you know it's, it's it's we had opportunity to do well in this game we just our players do not play well. It's not just coaching. It's players and coaching. It's everything. And we need to fix one of those first. And I don't know who's going to step up. I mean, we were just getting beat by just simple offense. It wasn't like yours was going Superman on us or really anything. They just were consistent. They were good. They just did the simple things right. And um, that's hard. That's hard to get beat by that. Just completely mowed through. Um, I, but, I know, will say... Yeah, I'm go a ahead, bit Ty. less concerned about players because there's constant turnover with the players, right? So that's that's one thing that that has me biased towards being a little bit less concerned about that situation because there's always going to be new ones coming in. There's always going to be people sort of uh, developing. Coaches obviously are not set in stone, but that's something that is is much longer term. You know, coaches don't really have like breakout years. Like we could have a guy that's not performing well this year. And this is common across college football. And next year he comes out and things have just finally, finally clicked for him. And and when it comes to players, I do think we need to mention, I, we didn't really get to see a whole lot of impressive stuff from them. But it, again, I, I have to believe that the running backs were, well, not the running backs, the receivers were, we're doing their things. And, and there was some, some pretty impressive catches that occurred 
uh, in the game and won, you know, but if it's just one throw, I want to give him credit for it. Bevel had a pretty good across the top throw to Drake Stoops uh, and like triple coverage. Uh, that was kind of neat. Uh, but I, it's certainly, it's, we're, we're in a rough spot and I agree that everything is failing. I mean, that's what we started out mm-hmm. saying, but it's, I'm, I'm much more concerned about the, the coaching situation. Cause when I look at the players, I really don't that know. That obviously needs to get fixed first. I agree with you. Yeah, player player effort is is one thing, uh, and and player skill is is another. But they're intertwined. And and the way I really look at it, when I really started to to really really think about it, is it's almost like you're, you know, if you're if you're driving a race car, and the race car is not the best race car, but you're just on the gas the entire time and keep spinning out and going, well, a better race car could turn at this speed. Like, that's cool, but you're still spinning out. You, you have to adjust your driving or your coaching to the people that you have. And I think there certainly I, – I haven't seen it, but I maybe you're reading something different with the, the amount of trust between Levy and his quarterbacks specifically and allowing them to, to make plays. And But it's certainly – even if – I think there's a lot of people that have this, oh, well – I think the coaches are fine and, and we need better players. And that's, I, I mean, who knows at this point, but if your coaches can't adjust to the players that they have, then it doesn't really matter if it's, if they're that it's good insanity. Not good. Yeah, so. It's so stubborn. Anyone can make stuff happen with good. That's the difference. Like if your coaches are good, they'll make good stuff happen either way. Anyone can be successful with, you know, Tom Brady and, and Gronk and a great O-line. So I just don't get why Jeff Levy won't let the guys go out and at least try something different. I think it's it's either just stupidity or arrogance, or I'm thinking it's probably both. It's just unbelievable that he thinks that he can make all these play calls throughout the game and they can win a football game just because the coach calls the right play. That's just utterly disrespectful. You want to trot out Davis Bevel on that field on Saturday and say, hey, Davis Bevel, um, we're gonna, you're going to be the starting quarterback, but only half the plays. We're going to put you out at wide out the other times. And then the times that you do get to throw, if your first option's not there, you're probably screwed. So good luck. Like, like, are you kidding me? Like, if if he's doing this and it fails that first half and they continue to do it in the third quarter, I wanted to barf after he continued to do the same BS in the third quarter. That makes me think, can this guy change his game plan? Because if you're not making halftime adjustments to your offense, that something obviously wasn't working in the first half, is he going to do it next game? Like, what? Like, like, come on. Like, you're losing that bad to your rival in the first half. You make no changes. And then whenever you do decide to make a change, you put in Nick Evers with four minutes left and give him no opportunity to do anything. They did not let him showcase any of his talent, ran the ball, threw the ball in the dirt. Like, are you freaking kidding? Like, I can't, I, I'm telling y'all guys, I'm going to talk crap on Jeff Levy for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I, I, and I think that's fair. I think Levy, you know, being in the crosshairs here, I, th- I think that's very fair. Um, it's, it's hard to criticize Ted Roof because I don't really know what he controls or not. Uh, I don't think he, I think the defense was also 100 percent agree on that one. I think Finnables has a lot of the say there. So there, Ted Roof is would be just a poor little scapegoat going to the slaughter if he got fired for all this. I yeah. I do want to say on the defense uh, real quick, and then and then I'll let you take it back, Bobby. Uh, I think Texas adjusted very very well to our defense. 
looking back at, at the game, and I sort of felt this when I was watching it, it started to get progressively more out of hand. But defensively, you know, the first quarter and a half, uh, I was, I don't want to say impressed in retrospect, but we knew we knew that they were a much better team star wise and, and power. We knew they were going to be able to put up points on us. Uh, and, you know, the first drive of the game, the first stop when it was all Danny Sutzman, uh, that was cool. And, and got to give him credit for that. But we did a good we did a good job of, of creating third downs. Obviously we couldn't get off the field on third downs, but we, we controlled a lot of game time defensively. And, and certainly it, for at least a quarter and a half, I would say that the defense was doing their job in terms of keeping us in the game. Uh, but once, once they really adjusted to us, then it was just, well, out and, of hand. But, and it's so hard. It's so hard to overcome momentum failures. You know, that, that, I would say, honestly, like if we want to talk about a good moment in that game, that opening three and out, I I was like, okay, cool. I, I'm pretty feeling, good. I'm feeling mm-hmm. good. I, I like it. I'm liking the vibe. Um, and then, you know, the offense kind of sputtered. Texas went down, got touchdown. OU had that drive on the weird gimmicky thing. Turnover on downs. Another Texas touchdown. OU punt. Game over. Um, it. And I really a little jump pass. Can I just go oh, in on oh this my jump, God, pass? The jump pass? Like, yeah. Like, why would you do that whenever? So you're saying I don't trust Davis Bevel to throw, but I think my running back's gonna throw a better pass. And why not let Braden Willis throw who threw a touchdown early in the year and who had been playing Wildcat? We could have made that same play and where he would have rolled out Braden Willis and maybe that extra four or five inches of height that Braden Willis has could have helped you a little bit to throw a better pass than that. Like uh, it's just well, and if you want to talk about micromanaging at that play call, if you want to talk about micromanaging, the fact have a quarterback or, or sorry have a running back throw a ball just to a spot that he didn't practice that did not have an OU player there. In fact, it had a Texas player there. But, it, but Coach Lebby, they were supposed to be there. That was what you told me to do. Oh Willis said he, he was I, so I, right there. I do want to say his response where he looks back and just goes, "Come on." This might be this might be a bit of a, a gooner take. You guys might disagree, but I feel like there is a better than zero chance that for just one drive when it was working, had we stuck with the wildcat thing, maybe it would have worked for at least a touchdown or getting us in field goal range because we had well, we weren't field goal range on the interception, but we had those two big wildcat drives that stand out where we the first one we drove like all the way down the field and i was like oh my goodness this isn't going to work all game but it's working now and then the second we got close to to being able to score we just immediately were like oh forget that forget that forget that go back to traditional put bevel in call stupid plays and then (laughs) that didn't work and then we like struggled a little bit more and then we pulled out the second wildcat drive and it was continuing to work and then yeah again it was like, hey, this is working. Hasn't really been stopped. We had a couple not great runs. And then weird jump pass to just a pass to a coordinate. Don't pass to a player. Don't worry about it. Jump it. Throw it. He'll be there. Uh, Eric Gray, you're you're not, you know. Tim so Tebow. it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he's like I, NFL Tim Tebow. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, honestly, that uh, that that first Wildcat drive, everything was going great. And then they threw Bevel into it. I'm like, wait, no. Why would you? Why would you? I, I feel like that there? one maybe would have been 
that I feel like one of them could have been a touchdown had we just continued to stick to it with like running and, and stuff. I don't know, but Jalil I Farouk I really was cooking. Yeah, before yeah, we look, yeah, Farouk was great. <laughs> and I think that's a again, I think that's a coaching thing, not to beat a dead horse. And and I'll I'll drop it after this, but then we touched on momentum that that drive, our second offensive drive, not taking the field goal when it was seven to nothing, I think momentum wise would have been so crucial. Cause I think even if we didn't stop Texas and we're rolling into sort of the, the last drive or something, even cause it was 21, it would have been 21 to three up. I just scored with like 10 seconds to half. I think that would have just been so, so crucial, you know, ignoring the records and, and everything else it's obviously it's a oh i wish the butterfly effect would have taken hold it, but you never know and it's just things like that do worry me coaching decision making wise down the road because certainly i don't know that that our system is one where venables doesn't have a say in going forward on fourth like certainly that's a head coach decision so that does I, worry me I, I, when it comes i like the call though ty i did i think in a big I, game that you got to let the analytics play and that yes. analytically was the right was the right move but and that was that was what the third time in a row yeah but we had gone for, are you talking about the downs i mean we okay, turned in terms over of on like the 12 because it was like we we had a fourth we went for it got it we got mm-hmm. another fourth fake field goal got it and then literally third fourth down in a row and it was like I don't know. I I I would have been it pro. Was, it was fourth. There, but... It was fourth and two, and that I just I think that in terms of big time play, I I think that's a decent decision. If it sometimes it just doesn't go your way, but obviously, like you said, in hindsight, it did really kill with momentum, and it really did spiral us. I feel like the problem is, you know, I. That that seemed like a play that maybe in their mind felt like it was like a risky, like we're going, we're playing to win, we're you know trying to get all, all the momentum on our side. But really, what it can't played off of, played off as was desperate, and that's usually that's usually what that does. Whatever it doesn't work, uh, you know, it's really like a coin flip. You know, uh, it, is it is this like a good risk or is it just desperate? And um, I think as we saw overall with the game strategy uh, being so know frankly gimmicky it it reeked of desperation from the second drive and i think that i think mentally both for ou's players and for texas's players be like oh look they really don't believe in this quarterback they're running a wildcat system we've got them you know i i think that that sent a bad message i think that really mentally um immediately sent a signal coaching wise to his players that, Hey, we don't believe in your ability to act like a normal football team. So you got to go play this backyard BS and hope it works. I, I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. How do you, how do you think Bevel felt on Saturday with all of yeah. this? I feel like people don't talk about that enough. How do you think he felt going into the situation where from the beginning, um, they, the whole time in the, uh, week before they were trying to make it feel like that, you know, Dylan Gabriel was going to play and not Bevel, um, Bevel, Bevel walks out and runs out of the tunnel. And did you see, he was one of the only players that ran straight up to the OU section was trying to hype them up. I was like doing the kind of like, you know, the raise your arm thing. Um, he was trying to, you know, manifest some positive energy, but the coaching staff wasn't going to give him that they weren't. If they are clearly fading him the whole game, he's probably thinking, "What can I even do?" And yeah. that's just not positive. Like it makes it so one-dimensional. Yeah, 
I mean, they weren't able, they weren't operating as a football team. That was not a, operating as a normal <laughs> offense. You can't just do that. You know, in, in NCAA 14, I'm sure you can, you know, mess around and put your fastest player at quarterback and call it good. But these people, you know, they're not robots. They have minds. They care. And for Davis Bevel, like instantly being like the what, what like I don't know. It, 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 I, I feel like to me, mentality wise, it sent a message to him straight up that it's like, yeah, we don't believe you can win or even play quarterback for us. So um, good luck. There you're is, a decoy. Across the board, is, you're a decoy. There is certainly something to be said about a fan base and a coaching staff giving up on a quarterback and turning their backs on him when your backup option is five-star Caleb Williams. Uh, giving up on your quarterback and turning your back on him very publicly when your only other backup option is Eric Gray jump pass. Uh, that's certainly a different calculus. So uh, it, there definitely is. And, and obviously I, I know I have been probably guilty of this. I don't think he's a, a listener to the schooner pod, but uh, if Bevel is listening, uh, it certainly is when, when it's your only guy or even when it's just your guy and you do have options there really isn't anything to be gained by just being super, super negative uh, about it. So yeah. whether the coaching staff decisions to pull someone after one drive uh, or a drive and a half when you're only down seven, nothing. And the defense was up to that point looking okay. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know about that. That's gotta be pretty soul crushing, but if you're listening, Bevel, I feel for you, man, I'm on your side. It wasn't, it wasn't record. all your fault. For the record, Davis, while I was mad and I did call you, I believe, quote unquote, ass today, uh, I, I did not chant for I did not chant. We want booty. So at least I had that going for you. Keep your head. I, yeah, I, I'm sorry for calling you ass. Let's I let's do think all... in we should clarify, though, if anyone else that's a quarterback is listening uh, or anyone making decisions, stop getting quarterbacks from states where people aren't known to play football like Pittsburgh, which is not a state or Arizona. <laughs> oh, God. Play, get us hey. some quarterbacks from Texas or California or something. Let's Florida. let's end let's end this talk, Texas talk, and I feel like a way that would be good to just kind of wash over everything and help us move on. Um, everyone say the meanest thing that she said during the game while watching it. Does, do you remember what was the meanest thing that you muttered or yelled during the game? Because mine, I. I, I absolutely went in and I said, um, Ty, and you'll really enjoy this. I said, Jeff Lebby is now the biggest coward coach in all of college football. Oh my God. And I'm going to stick by that. You say Matt Campbell's the biggest coward. Jeff Lebby, you're the biggest coward in college football. I think I just said, I, I, I can't remember. I, it was just anger. Uh, I'm pretty sure I said, this isn't even just a bunch of team. I think I just said this just this isn't a football team. You are not a football team. And then I left. <laughs> when, when did you leave the game? What what quarter did you leave, Bobby? I left in the fourth. Uh Good mainly because <laughs> so yeah, I I, I I was I going to stay. I, I've been trying my best to stay and wait for the chant. I've done it for every game until this one, and I just was like, they don't deserve it. <laughs> I can't I, I that's what it was. I was like, you don't deserve it. <laughs> I, I think oh, I also yelled, you don't deserve my money at them. <laughs> I, I also think I screamed at them about how many hours I spent podcasting. Uh, I'm so like, glad I brought How many hours I spent talking about you idiots. 
Do you know how much I sacrificed? <laughs> I'm so glad I asked this question. That I needed that. that I'm like, my wife hates me because of you. <laughs> we podcast too late because we go over our time limits, and I go back, and Ashley's already asleep, and I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> like, she's probably been just gone this whole evening. <laughs> you are tearing me apart, Scooter Pod. Oh my goodness! Uh, Tiger, I, I was pretty nice proud. I was actually pretty proud of mine. Uh, I had a a stream of consciousness moments where I realized that, and and I stand by this take as goonerish as it sounds. Oh, no. All of our players that were out on the field are on academics or on athletic scholarships. If you were on an academic scholarship and performed that poorly in your field, you would no longer be on an academic scholarship. Read into that however you uh, you desire to. And then uh, I believe I mentioned some people by name. I, I honestly don't recall. I, it would be funnier if I did and I could mention. But I, I think at one point I said that all of the players should have their scholarships revoked and they should all be reported to the IRS uh, where they will be tied up in hopefully at least a few years of litigation. And maybe a few of them, if they perform particularly poorly, uh, will get caught on tax fraud charges and have their lives ruined. Oh my God. Uh, this that this was, was a good exercise, everybody. I, I, I do want to say I feel better. I feel better. And I did I did want to close uh, because I I feel like we should close the the chapter on the books yeah. for the people that that listen uh, to the podcast and and listen to our pregame one. If you did, I wanted to pose the question to you two because I did not make it to to the fair in the game. Um, was there any food item that we talked about in the pregame pod that you got to try at the fair? And if so, did it live up to the hype? Or, you know, a place you mentioned, Bobby, I know you mentioned a, a beer barn that turned out to be a, a cool thing. Beer barn. I, every, every single year, I always preview all of these, like, big text awards, finest things. And then after the game, I walk around the stadium. I consistently walk by disappointment after disappointment on their <laughs> menus. And then I say, screw it, and I get fried cookie dough or something. And that's what mm -hmm. I did end up doing this year. I got fried chicken parm, and it was legitimately me waiting for 10 minutes for just these chicken tenders with some Parmesan and red sauce on top. It was just so disappointing. I was like... This fried chicken parm? These are just chicken tenders with some mozzarella. Like, what's going on here? Oh, my God. So, I after the game... Okay, so I only had one corny dog before the game. After the game, I tried to get procure a second one. Line was too long. In-laws, basically, like, we had, to, we had to get going. We had to get going. Things were bad. So, just, just in terms of everyone was stressed. They were just tired of hearing Texas fans. Everyone was like, we just need to leave. Like, uh, da damn dark be damned get out of here so I, I had to go through most of that afternoon uh with several lone stars in my stomach and um only one corny dog so the the, the, the state fair hanger was there uh yeah. however i believe they they did get uh some fried gumbo balls um and they said they were pretty okay but they cost 20 coupons which is Oh silly my for, god! Like two two tiny balls, like tiny, That's tiny unbelievable. Balls. Yeah, I that. say the beer barn is so pivotal for future. Like I was at the beer barn to begin. I was hanging out with Bobby, and then I went to go hang out with some other people. Beers were eight coupons over there, Unreal. two times what it was at the beer barn. Like 
I don't care if you want to go hang out with all the Sooner fans over at Gate G. Like you're really paying two times money for the beer. Like you're you're kidding me. I I think in the future I try to put my foot down this year and try to get more people to the beer barn. But it's honestly a farce if people are going elsewhere. It beer barn is the best. It, the four dollar or the four coupon like Lone Stars incredible stuff. I that was good. I I, I felt genuinely genuine happiness that entire morning. So at least, at least that happened. And I also got to say, I felt genuinely, genuine happiness as well. Uh, the Friday morning, um, uh, when I went to Cadillac barbecue in Dallas, that was some of the greatest barbecue I've had in my life. So definitely check that out. Uh, nothing like just, I, I mean, look, at least one cow got destroyed. Uh, and that was whichever one provided that barbecue, uh, because it was, it was immaculate, absolutely worth it. 100% check out. That's a funny tie. <laughs> I just, for some reason, at least one cow got destroyed. Really uh, before destroyed. Bevo was taking a nap during our game. So <laughs> there, there was no destruction of, of Bevo. Um, I guess, I, Ty, is there anything else you want to say about um, this game or should we move on and just talk very briefly I, about this weekend in Kansas? I did have a, a bit of a segment, actually, that, that is not just specific to this game, but it was the first time it came up. I'm going to save it, actually. So a little, okay. little teasing of a... It's it's a fan experience centric segment, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that for later in the season. I think just because of uh, the That's time that we're at. But idea. I I hope everyone in in listening to this podcast, the Texas review portion so far, uh, has hopefully come on this journey with us. If you can tell, uh, the three of us are certainly in a bit of a lighter mood than we were uh, when it began, and and it got heated in the in the middle. One of our more heated podcasts of all time. Uh, of true true heat between each other so uh, <laughs> I, but i hope i hope you know i i encourage all ou fans right now to to sort of get it out right because it's it's the moment too and it's uh things will get better in the future whether it's this season or not i, I you have to know things are going to get better. up from here it, this is yeah, well, it certainly can't get worse. Yeah, which is God. That's an ominous thing what to say. Right before you play Kansas, I really hey. don't want to be rolling into the week that we play Kansas. Going at least what things a can't damn, get anywhere. What a damn transition, Ty. And that's why we've got to preview Jason Bean coming to town, possibly as the starting quarterback coming in against the Sooners, who have never been lower since two thousand. What four, Bobby? Like have we? No, I, I can't. This even, is. This is 1995, <laughs> ni- like Wait, 1965. Are, levels back. are you saying this is the lowest we've been since? This is the lowest we've been since 98, like pre stoops. It has to be. Yeah, it's it's yeah. what it is is just bad. And Jason being a, if you are a long time listener of the Schooner Pod, a guy that we've beloved and we have a special place in our heart for in Kansas, actually looked pretty damn good. Um, whenever Jalen Daniels went down, threw four touchdowns, and um. It makes me think like what we saw from Jason Bean last year. I don't know if he's that talented of a quarterback as what he showed last game on the, this weekend versus the Frogs. Um, but Kansas got a good system on offense. They can go and score points. And with our defense right now, we've got a lot to shore up. And I kind of posed this question earlier, but I kind of want y'all's opinion. Versus Jason Bean in this Kansas offense who has, you know, you know, a reputation so far this season aside from like a game that they can put up a lot of points. Should we play more of like a base package conservative things like we did versus UTEP 
And, um, you know, our first couple of games where we obviously were playing zone, just didn't want any big plays to happen. Just let everything stay in front of us, play it safe. Or should we at least try, you know, to run more man and try to challenge our guys consistently? Ty, what do you think? It's, it's a loaded I, so question, I think, isn't it? I think we should, as a whole, I, I think we should play more fundamental or at least stick to that. I think looking back, that's probably what we have been doing defensively. Um, I will point to the fact, I, throw out the interception that we got against Ewers, because uh, that was just a sort of a fluke. But we had another one that was dropped uh, that should have been caught that I can't believe we didn't, that was we didn't mention that. Yes. But, um, and that would have been a big momentum one too. But I think I, I like challenge the players uh, to go one-on-one. I've seen a lot of, you know, they criticize them all you want. I have seen a lot of heart from our secondary, especially, uh, and a lot of our, a lot of our linebackers, especially, you know, in the, in the, the pass protection in some of the schemes, obviously our linebackers are, or linebackers are getting outclassed a little bit, but I've seen a lot of heart from them. Uh, so when we're facing a, a team like Kansas, I like the idea of, of challenge the guys. Don't resign to the fact, oh, we're just going to uh, play patchwork. I, we are, I, you know, we are Oklahoma. We should be forgetting last week. The only thing that matters, you know, the most important game is the game that you're about to play. I like the idea of challenging the guys, put them in a lot of man, make Kansas make plays, which is risky because Kansas is a, a fundamental football team, but it goes back to, to, you know, let's not do what we did offensively last week where from the very first or very second drive, we show our hand and say, yeah, we think we're going to lose. We're trying to rely on flukes and whatever else here. I like the idea of just, let's just say, throw out the record books, forget the storylines, forget what's happened. This is a straight up game in Norman, Oklahoma. You're coming to us. We are still Oklahoma. We still have good talent, even if they're not to up to a lot of people's expectations. I say, put them in a lot of man and, and make them make plays on us. Even if we give up some big ones here and there. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm with you. I think you just, you have to keep doing the same thing. And I know that's insanity, etc. but I think you have the only way for the players, the only way for the players to get good at this is to just flat out, you know, keep drilling it, keep running it to keep getting familiar with it, Tim, you have to improve and the only way to improve is practice repetition and unfortunately in this scenario the practice and repetition that it actually is is games that are uh that they're clearly failing at so i'm with it where you don't try to change it up too much you don't dumb it down too much um because ultimately i think venable's defense overall will work uh there's just a disconnect between both the talent and the understanding of the schemes you just got to keep at it you just got to keep at it and i know that's not i know that's not what people want to hear especially after what we saw last week but um i don't know i i think that i think that taking a shortcut overall would be the worst the worst move here we got to take our lumps here I, I see I see that mindset, and that's why I kind of wanted to pre- um, present this question because I feel like people are going to be 50-50 on this. You know, we brought in Brent Venables to change the scheme from Alex Grinch, almost polar opposite styles, and our guys are having trouble picking up on Brent Venables' scheme. Um, but if we're just going to scrap it and just give up on it in the middle of the season, like I feel like that's just going to throw away a lot of work that we've done so far. I understand we're not getting a lot of the fruits of our labor 
Um, but like I said earlier in the show, in a different scenario, you can't, can't learn how to, how many little kids learn how to ride a bike without falling off it a couple of times. You know, this is a huge transition point for our, a lot of our players who've never played in a defense like that. So I get that. But at the same time, on the other end, I also said it earlier that this is such a pivotal point for the long term of OU football that I think if our offense is going and we're starting to show a little bit more life, I wouldn't mind a little bit of conservative, you know, playing off on the zone and playing those base packages that we saw in the UTEP and Kent State game because Jason Bean will make mistakes. He's a type of quarterback that can make mistakes, and he made plenty of them last year. Go and let him make a couple of mistakes and get us some momentum where we can have some stops and try to avoid these big plays because if we play too aggressive on defense this um, on Saturday and our offense has another stinker um, that we've seen in the past, if we lose to Kansas, where is this program going to go? Honestly, our fans are so hot and cold. They're high when they're high, and they're very low, very, very low when we're low. Losing to Kansas after getting shut out by Texas, that is probably the most recipe and epitome of disappointment for an Oklahoma football fan. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, it would be a pretty low moment, even though these Kansas Jayhawks are different. This is a 19th ranked Kansas. That is actually, I believe the first ranked opponent to play at Owen field. Um, in at least since 2020 when OSU came in, uh, but the first one with actual fans in it since God knows when, um, probably 2018 with a Kyler year, maybe, maybe 2017. I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell, but it's, um, it's been a long time since a ranked opponent came to Norman. Uh, and you know, look, just, just, just throw out the it's Kansas thing. It's a different Kansas team. 100%. This is a good football team and one that can absolutely, absolutely beat Oklahoma. Um, Vegas doesn't think so. The line's at nine six and a half. Is what I it's, saw. It's recently. been bet down to six and a half already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So the uh, betting public really does not like the Sooners there. But um, I think, I think uh, you got to have Gabriel back, or else this game just is uh, is already doomed. Frankly, because uh, there's no faith. There's no faith in the backup quarterbacks at all. Um, and I don't know. If, if Bevel comes back, I, I don't know emotionally how that would go, especially with our fan base. Uh, they've already chanted, we want booty. He has started one game. He, he could not get through his first start without getting immediately uh, wanting to get getting the boot. Tea. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, mentally, I just don't see how you could put the guy out there. Um, you got to really, really, really hope it's, Ga- it's Gabriel's going to play. Gabriel's yeah. going to play. I, I understand on the past podcast, I had given some optimism about what I'd seen and possible relating like what I know about NFL protocols and return to play um, about Dylan Gabriel playing on Saturday, but it's so hard to know. Um, and I'm, my guess is Oklahoma has a, a, a little bit of a different protocol than that of the um, NFL where they return a little bit slower. Um, they have more of a gradual return. I, I think the way that we were putting them through warmups and all of that – there's no excuse that he won't be able to play with another week of rest. I think he was really close not to use the, Oh no, I said it. He was close. Uh, but gross. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah. So 
Is there anything else we need to say on this game? I don't think there's a lot to preview. It's uh, if Gabriel plays, I think it's going to be a good game. And OU has a chance. If he doesn't, we're going to lose Kansas. And we might lose Kansas regardless of what happens. Lance Leipold and that team have things popping. So, yeah, it's not good. I I do want to say real quick in, in closing on the Kansas one, a lot of teams have been able to put up a lot of points on them. Uh, teams that yeah, – do they have a worse offense than OU? They certainly have less talent uh, than OU. Obviously, we have severe issues and, and things are not clicking. But uh, – this game uh, against the Jayhawks, unfortunately, is going to be an 11 a.m. game. But uh, tickets below $25 probably end up paying a little bit more on on processing and stuff. But uh, I believe uh, in this team, and if you also believe in this team, um, kind of a kind of a steal, you know, get to people get to see giving away tickets for this game. Yeah. I'm not so going to be if you want to go. If you haven't been to to a game so far. Uh, this season, I I certainly don't want to be the one dissuading anyone. I, hopefully, no one holds it against me if it's disappointing. But uh, if you were if you were thinking about about going, you know, the Sooners need all the support that they can get right now. And uh, Red River is certainly a, a different animal. And I know that we have lost one at home already, but uh, it would probably mean a whole lot to this team to be able to return home from what just happened. Uh, to them, how, however you feel about them or not, uh, and go out there and, and support the Sooners because that is a thing uh-huh. uh, that that feeds into the narrative. You know, if if we come into this Kansas game and the stadium is noticeably rather empty, uh, that's something that's going to feed into the narrative. If we come into this game and for whatever reason Bevel is out there and it's the second he trots out on the field, it's zero zero the first time we're getting the ball and we're already booing. Uh, for our quarterback Agreed. second year in a row under the second coach. Those are things that will, that, that is a, that is a fan thing that will, regardless of the donors, regardless of anything else that will directly feed into recruiting success yeah. in success down the road. I, even if you hold I the belief, so glad you said this that. team, yes. If, even if you hold the belief, right, here's the real cynical take. If you hate these players, blame them for everything or these coaches or whatever else, the best hey, thing to do home. still is no, the best thing to do still is show up and cheer Boomer sooner as loud as you can. But so they won't can get better recruiting and get better people in here. Right? Like well, if, if you support the team, support the players, come support them. If you don't, you want them gone. The fastest way to get them gone with better people taking their spot is to still have a great atmosphere. So, but the, the thing is, you know, sooner fans, they, they're going to go and boo. They're going to come and boo. That's, do not boo. A, if you're listening to this, please, dear God, do not boo. Do not boo. Like, and I will say that was one thing I found encouraging is like at halftime when the guys ran into the tunnel down 28, nothing, there was still a really solid applause for them on the OU side. Uh, and likewise, when they came out, just in some moments, uh, there was support. Not, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't 100% through. Obviously, uh, our end of the Cotton Bowl got completely cleared out. Which it makes sense. That happens. It's hard. That's a hard game to leave, um, given the dart and everything. And, you know, you, you don't want to be stuck in all that. So I, I get it. But also at the same time, um, here's the thing. You can't sit around, not go to the games, and... Flat out give on this, give up on this team, and then be confused and surprised when the players, when the recruits, when everybody else gives up on it. 
It's you can you can keep you can control that. That is the one thing you can't control. You can show up and get positive support. You can't control yes. the results, but you can be there for those guys. Um, and it's not easy. It's very much not easy at the moment. This sucks. But after the 22 years we've had of 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 good success and you know stuff that most schools would kill for, uh, the least the le- the the worst thing we could do right now is give up on this project to give up on this program because then everybody else will, and then yeah. uh, this becomes more of a standard thing. So, I mean, obviously, be critical. Don't just rob riot. You know, we, 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 we don't have to say, oh, you doesn't suck. Uh, and if you are critical about the team, then you're not a real OU fan, whatever like that means. But at <laughs> the same time, <laughs> at the same time, don't boo, just, just support and then complain about it later. Yeah. Like legitimately, if you are going to this game and you know, you're just going to be complaining the whole time. I agree. Ty in a perfect world, go there and just cheer through it and be a good fan because we actually have a very, very valuable role that we haven't had since, I mean, I guess Spencer Rattler kind of is a similar situation to where our role as a fan will really have a big impact in the future of this program right now. Um, but if you know you're going to boo and you're just going to be a negative Nancy the whole time, just be a stick in the mud, don't come. I don't want to see you there. We'd rather have somebody else. Yeah, it's I, easy I completely to agree with you, Bobby. It's- Thanks. It was easy. It's easy to show up and do all that when you have all the hype videos and all that stuff, and it's a spring game and all that. It's hard to show up when we are on a three-game losing streak and we might lose to Kansas. But at I'll the same there. time, I'll yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there tailgating just as we always do. And you know, that's the thing is, it, it, being a fan isn't about always winning. It isn't about steamrolling other teams. It's it's about supporting your guys and, you know, especially for alumni of the university, supporting your the, the place you spent your four or five or however many years uh, there. And, you know, really giving, but you're really, really pouring it into there, really pouring it, really pouring into it. So, you know, it, it, uh, it sucks. It really sucks. But, you know, I, I think this is, uh, this is a time where we can really be there and support the team through it, through mm-hmm. it all. And that's a, nobody that's can one. ever call you and, and nobody can ever call you a bandwagoner. If you support the team through this, nobody can call you a bandwagoner. Cause you stuck with them through the, through the crap. Like parts. So, so this, I, I felt like this was a really good way to end this podcast. I, I feel like we had two good cleansing moments. <laughs> we, we had the bad parts. Now we have to kind of give the good, good, good parts, the positivity. Um, and look, just uh, just just have a good time. So, I don't know. Ty, any, uh, do we want to do any final thoughts, or did that kind of suffice as final thoughts? What do you think, boys? No, I have I have a final thought. Uh, OU moves to 0-3 since the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. May she forever rest in peace <laughs> and hopefully return uh, because we need her. Oh because God. when you look at the history of OU football, right, when she oh got God. coronated, when she took over the throne, right, we were not nationally relevant prior to her taking over. Pull this up if you're watching at home or have your phone <laughs> handy. We were we were not good, really, objectively. We beat like Kingsfisher College and places that don't exist anymore. Uh, and then she took over the throne. What happened? 47 straight wins is what happens. Multiple coaches, multiple national championships, <laughs> so many 100 win plus coaches. And then Lincoln Riley leaves. 
that's all right. We go three and oh, she we beat one of our rivals. We play two rivals this year, Texas and Nebraska, beat one of them really good, and then she passes away, and now we can't win a game. Coincidence? I that's think all. not. <laughs> oh goodness. That that's wonderful. Bobby, take us I, out. My foot accidentally unplugged my mic. So that's how we're doing. That's it. We're doing great. Take us out, but, Bobby. Yeah, no. Good Elizabeth. Born in uh, 1926, OU was butt before then, and uh, since then they were good. So I, I think I think there's some theory to that. So Queen, please come back. Anyways, all right, let's close this thing out. Thank you all so much for watching or listening wherever you get your podcast, um, either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc. Please rate us five stars. Uh, and uh, hey, if you like the visual element to it, I think there's some funny stuff going on. You know. Did the, uh check out our youtube we have a lot of good stuff there uh not just this podcast but also we have uh schooner simulations done by our good pal michael whitman he always does a really great job on that we've got a new football feast coming out this week that's exciting doing the wang burger from kansas so that'll be a good time so yeah definitely check out our youtube channel we are doing a lot of good work over there so and uh hey it's also the, the place where you can get these first so all right enough shameless plugs for ourselves we're heading out of here Stay positive, every, stay positive, everyone. Have a good week, week, and uh, boomer sooner. Keep, keep the faith.